Kansas State, number 18, Will Howard. The whole Sunday crew is back together once again after a hiatus last week. Mason Voth, KSU underscore fan, and Drew Galloway here with you from K-State Online, ready to bring a, another exciting edition of the KSO Show. This one is going to have it all. We have a bowl game to talk about with an actual opponent that took way too long to figure out today. And we also have a lot to talk about basketball-wise because not only is it a busy week for K-State basketball in terms of who they face, uh, it was also a very busy week in terms of how bad they played uh, this past week, despite the fact that they went 2-0 and and they won both games. Uh, never apologize for winning, no matter how it happens, but you should at least start to think about what you should do differently next time. You know, it's like, you know, I was 10 years old, I hit my brother. I'm not going to apologize for it, but I also understand that I need to be better and not hit my younger brother, so... Uh, that's case day. I need some apologies here. Um, if you, if you end up losing for not correcting your problems. Uh, also it made me chuckle. Uh, we got to look at the new QB one for K state in the intro for this show. Then we also saw the outgoing one. I will forever just get immediate joy from hearing the KUPA guy have to go touchdown. Will Howard. Uh, just, I love it. I love it so much. I love, I love that happening. Uh, and, uh, the two we, point conversion is correct. Yeah, yeah, he was on his game there. Look, I, I have already said I really actually like the KUPA guy's cadence. He's a lot more like a like a baseball PA guy where he's never too high or, or too low. It's just always kind of right in the middle. He's going to deliver it, uh, and it, I enjoy it a lot more for football getting to hear him do all that. But all right, the main focus, I think, in a lot of people's eyes is going to be K-State and NC State and the Pop-Tarts Bowl. What an exciting time. The Cats get to go to – Yet again, another bowl game with an awesome name, a wacky sponsor. Uh, as somebody that really loved Buffalo Wild Wings growing up, I loved the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl in 2013 against Michigan. And although the opponent is not as great as Michigan, I also love the Pop-Tarts Bowl against NC State. I plan on buying all of the crappiest-looking Pop-Tarts Bowl merch that is out there this entire month. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be hideous. But that's what bull shirts and merchandise is supposed to be. It's supposed to be beautifully ugly, and I think we're going to get that. So uh, that is the K-State approach that I'm taking from this. In all actuality, with what we expect from K-State in this game, uh, I'll just go around and I'll start and let you guys name the number one thing you're most looking forward to. It can either be something about facing NC State K-State being in Orlando, the Pop-Tarts Bowl itself, or the fact that Avery Johnson is going to be uh, the starting quarterback. Wherever you want to take it, and uh, I'll let Drew go first because I think Drew's probably I, – I, I don't want to, you know, shame fan by saying this, but I assume that Drew has probably eaten more Pop-Tarts in his life than fan <laughs> because of a youth thing. Oh, yeah. Pop-Tarts for sure were a staple at my house. I'd still eat Pop-Tarts every once in a while. So, you know, you, you got you to gotta enjoy it with, with the sponsor being Pop-Tarts. Uh, actually, uh, real, real I, I, quick, I, I, the first thing I, you got to say is uh, your, your favorite flavor before you, you talk about anything else with the game. Oh, favorite flavor, s'mores, but chocolate chip, a solid second. And I, that's I've, so gotta, I've got to say... Even though I'm old, we did have pop tarts when I was a kid. Like you know, I know, <laughs> but you don't strike me as a guy that was just like you know all the way in. I, I you know, I you've at least I I would at least assume in the last twenty years, Drew has eaten more pop tarts than he you. has. 
Yeah, he that's is. where I was going with it. I, I was not trying to make it seem like I'm aware that Pop-Tarts have been around for a while and that you've definitely eaten them. But uh, yes, I think Drew's probably eaten more in the last 20 years. That's Correct. pretty major to start the show here. <laughs> yes. Um, Game-wise, though, I mean, it's, it's fun that we're going to get to see Avery Johnson. It's one of the only uh, non-New Year's Six games that both teams are ranked. So I mean, that that's something. And it's uh, the Richard Lenton Bowl. Oh, good point. Yeah, I, I I would agree. The most exciting thing to me is seeing Avery Johnson have full control of the offense uh, simply because there's nobody else to play quarterback, but also because he is going to be the quarterback and uh, we're going to see a game plan designed around him probably for the first time and, and how Klein uh, does that will be interesting to see. Also, I just I want to see a defense that doesn't give up five 60-yard touchdowns, and I, I'm hopeful that that will happen. I will say uh, Iowa State did finish number one in the country in explosiveness, according to collegefootballdata.com. Um, so, so they did have an explosive offense. Uh, NC State is number 109, so I feel a little bit better about not giving up a bunch of 60-yard plays to the Wolfpack. Yeah, I, I I would also hope that we don't see a bunch of big plays in that game. I, I'd like to at least end the season on a positive note for K-State's defense, and I don't say negative things about them the rest of my life because I it would absolutely happen if they have that performance against Iowa State and then they get toasted against NC State uh, to end the year. Uh, fan, what is your favorite Pop-Tart flavor? I, when, when I always liked strawberry, put it in the toaster, and then on the bottom, you put butter while it's still hot and let the butter melt. So I, I can't do toaster. That was my that was my favorite. I liked hot. I, hot I have I have like I, I hear people all the time talk about butter on a pop tart. It's never one of those things that I've ever done or like even thought about or knew was a thing until like I got older and I heard other people talking about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you. I I always toast my pop tarts when I have them. Uh, I would I would say s'mores is the number one there. Uh, that's probably the one that I I liked the most growing up. But like the the classic look of like the strawberry, that's always a good one. That's a pretty safe bet. Uh, so I I would say that's probably the one that I had the most of growing up. That or like the cinnamon brown sugar. My brothers just absolutely love those. I think they're pretty bland and they're whatever. They're not bad, but nothing great. And, and uh, my, my one question is, no disrespect to our sponsor, but how often was it off-brand Pop-Tart to actual Pop-Tart in your household? Oh, it was it was, it was was 0% off-brand. It was always real Pop-Tart. No, <laughs> yeah, we never had always real Pop-Tarts for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, also, I will say this. It was, it was rare, like, growing up that we had Pop-Tarts in the house consistently because my mom did not like how often we would choose that over, like, a different breakfast option. So... If the pop tarts were in the house, they went fast between my brothers and I. They were rarely there, and then uh, I don't know. I got to an age, and I was off at college, and I'd come back, and just the pantry was full of different snacks and stuff that we never had when I was growing up. My mom just got relaxed and and soft with the last two. My my younger brothers, it's like my mom goes to Sam's Club and buys like a thirty two pack of honey buns if they want. It's like <laughs> now I don't like honey buns, but they love them, and that was something that she would have never done. So. Uh, the oldest child always gets the short end of the yeah, stick. I, I, will, I will say as the youngest, I did have honey buns a lot when I was <laughs> the, left in the household. So 
Uh, the number one thing that I'm looking forward to in this game for K-State is, honestly, I mean, this goes into Avery Johnson. I think he is the the main reason why everybody is so interested in what's going to take place in Orlando for K-State. But I think the the number one thing that I'm looking forward to is just seeing the the dynamic between him as the go-to quarterback, no doubt, like there's no other option, and Colin Klein's play calling. And how that intermixes then with DJ Giddens in the backfield and also seeing the relationship between him and Jace Brown that obviously appears to be very strong off the field. And when Avery has been on the field, we've seen it work at times. So seeing just how this offense works as a whole with Avery Johnson as the starting quarterback and the only option there, uh, that, that to me means more than just the individual performance by Avery Johnson, even though it ties in. I'm just kind of interested to see how this thing works. I mean, it's probably the same feel that I had for that 2021 bowl game against LSU where, you know, different circumstances because it was, uh, you know, a, a sixth-year quarterback and Skylar Thompson out there. But it was fun to see just the tweaks and differences with the Colin Klein offense compared to Courtney Messingham. Now I'm ready to see it with a different style of quarterback back there. And obviously I'm sure, you know, Colin looks at a guy like Avery and it's like – Man, if if I had your running ability when I was in school and I was a great runner, like I would have done unspeakable things to defenses, and I already did that. I, I just wonder what the creativity level looks like uh, with Colin Klein calling plays for Avery Johnson and knowing that, okay, we're not going to take him out after two plays and give the ball back to Will Howard because I think that's one of the things that was most unfortunate about the times we did get to see Avery Johnson this season. It was either in garbage time, so – it's not like Chris Kleiman was going to just chuck the ball around left and right. And then when he was in, when it was the heat of the battle, you were still just – it was primarily running the football. So just ready to see the guardrails taken off and let Avery Johnson go out there. letting the, Taking the bumpers down. You know, they're going to let the bumpers go down, and Avery Johnson is either going to start rolling strikes and spares or he's going to be throwing gutter balls. Either way, I'm excited to see what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting to note, too, with no Trayshawn Ward, what what does the running back rotation look like? Yeah. Is it going to be more Anthony Frias, or are we going to see more Joe Jackson? Or is it just going to be kind of like the UCF game, where DJ got, got the ball, and they said, let's roll? It, you got to so. do some Joe Jackson. Bull game in Florida without Trayshawn Ward, you got yeah. to give him a little bit of an opportunity there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see like what that looks like, and... I mean, we still don't know for sure if Ben Sennett's going to play because he could sit out for the NFL draft. So you might see more Garrett Oakley. We'll see more Will Swanson. So you'll kind of see kind of the youth movement starting on offense. And I'm I'm excited to see how that looks. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, go ahead, fan. No, I'd agree. I think think the, the interesting thing is we'll have the most experienced position group will be the wide receivers um, based on how much they played this season. Uh, Garrett Oakley did get a bunch of time and uh, he showed promise. I think he'll, it'll be fun to see him. And, and I think Will Swanson is going to be a solid second option, caught a few balls this year. So uh, the intriguing thing will be how much Joe Jackson does play at running back with, with DJ. Um, you got no more games after this. So DJ couldn't have the US, UCF role, but this is not UCF's defense for sure. Well, speaking of what NC State is and isn't, uh, you already talked about NC State not as explosive as Iowa State. Uh, what are some of the other things that stand out matchup-wise that K-State is going to get in NC State? Because I know you've 
kind of dove into to this with both NC State and, you know, if it was going to be Notre Dame or, or whoever else. Uh, but what should we expect in the Wolfpack that went nine and three and what was the worst power five conference this year in the ACC, but nine and three is nine and three. Yeah. Their, their rank in the metrics is, is 34 and a half. So they're mid thirties in the metrics, which is about like Iowa state um, similar to Iowa state. They're really strong on defense. Um, their offense is more poor, although Iowa state has a better offense. Uh, their defense in most of the metrics is in the top 15. So they do have a pretty good defense. Um, interesting thing is, you know, they, they don't have a lot of transfers so far. Um, their fourth best receiver and their seventh best receiver are out for sure. Um, no real big losses on defense. Um, so they, they haven't lost a lot as far as the transfer portal goes so far. Um, not a very explosive offense. Um, defense is really good, although their weakness on defense um, is in the pass game. Um, not as strong there. So there's some things K-State can exploit. I, I'm, you know, ACC, I think, is a mixed bag as far as quarterback run games. So uh, I'm sure we're going to – you know, the balance is how much do you run every Johnson with no one behind him. But – I think we've seen Colin Klein before play quarterback run game, even though we weren't maybe in the best position depth wise at that spot. So I think we'll, I think it's something we could exploit against this team probably because they don't see it as much, um, but it'll be interesting to see what that looks like going into this game. Well, and looking at, at NC state, I mean, they, they themselves will be playing a quarterback that, you know, historically has liked to run the ball a good amount in Brennan Armstrong and what he's done. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he he's had over 120 carries the last two seasons. And that even includes this year missing time uh, with a chunk of the season. So, well, I mean, wh- where, where should K-State focus defensively, I guess, because that's probably where think people are most concerned with what they saw in the final timeout against Iowa State. And obviously, Iowa State, you know, they, they ran all over the place, a team that hadn't ran the ball well all season. Yeah, Brendan Armstrong is their leading rusher, 544 yards. Their second leading rusher is actually a receiver, Kevin Concepcion, with 297 yards. They have two running backs that average that ran for 289 and 269 yards, respectively. Uh, one averaged 4.8 yards per carry. One averaged 2.9 yards per carry, but had eight touchdowns. So, he must be the red zone guy. Uh, Delbert Mims and Kendrick Raphael are those two guys. Um, Concepcion is a really good receiver, 767 yards, averages 12 yards per catch, 64 receptions, 10 touchdowns. So those are really the main guys you're going to look for on offense. They have a tight end, Trent Penix, who's pretty solid, had three touchdowns and 14 catches. Uh, so offensively, there's not – a lot of big threats. Uh, I think Brennan Armstrong is the main guy through 11 touchdowns and six interceptions. So not a dynamic offensive threat, probably more dynamic running the ball than throwing the ball. So it should be hopefully an offense where the K-State defense can get healthy. Um, so, so we'll have to see, uh, but you know, um, it's going to be a matter of obviously stopping, stopping quarterback running game and then a pretty limited running back group. Yeah, NC State against Power 5 competition this year, they only scored 30 points two times, and it was the last two games that they played 
against Virginia Tech in North Carolina, and Virginia Tech was not very good this year in North Carolina. They they love to disappoint at the end of the year, and their defense is is pretty bad. So uh, I think you know you're at least going into this case that I think you look at it and say we know that when we play at our best, we should feel like it is a superior level to NC State, and K State will be better equipped to handle. I think honestly, any type of game that breaks out here because they've been involved in both of them, and certainly if points are being scored. Uh, I think that puts K-State in a really good spot because I just don't know that NC State's going to have enough uh, to, to kind of keep up with it and understand what kind of situation they're in. Uh, Drew, what do you make of NC State? NC State's just kind of a weird team. Like, you you look at their stats, and Concepcion also has 64 catches. The next leading receiver catch-wise only has 28. Like he he is pretty much their offense with Brennan Armstrong, and this has kind of been a thing with Brennan Armstrong his entire career. He will make plays, but he he also likes to give the ball away a lot. Like this year, he has six he has six interceptions and has missed some time. So I mean, you add in add that in, and he's kind of giving the ball away at a pretty high rate. the The offense for them though just is is not very good i'll I'll just throw it out there it's 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 not great it's stopping one guy and then you try to see if anybody else can beat you yeah i mean i look there's obviously a reason why they're good and they they've had a nice season they're they're the 18th ranked team in the country but i just right now i'm having a tough time seeing where the the success comes from and it probably relies more heavily on the defense and then also the fact that you've played some weak offensive teams in the ACC this year. So I'll, I'll defer back to fan here. Defensively, what should K-State know about, which I guess that's probably uh, the most important thing in terms of like what the fan wants to see in this game because they obviously want to see Avery Johnson go out there and just have another dynamite game. So what will he be looking at when he's behind center? Yeah, I I mentioned earlier, I, I, their pass defense is actually better than their rush defense. Rush defense, most of their numbers are in the top 30 nationally. They're uh, 34th in yards per carry allowed, um, 34th in um, run success, 30th in run success rate allowed. So they have some solid but not dominant rushing numbers. Um, pass defense is a little bit better um, in, in most most categories, maybe top 20, 25. Um, but pass success rate is only 47. So they've they've given up some success in the passing game. Um, as far as, you know, players, Peyton Wilson is a really good linebacker. He's maybe one of the best linebackers K-State will see this year. Um, 138 tackles on the year, 17.5 tackles for loss, six sacks, three interceptions, um, one forced fumble. So he's a really good player. Uh, they've got some other guys. Aiden White's a cornerback that had uh, nine passes defended and two uh, interceptions this year. Um, defensive end, Red Hibbler, is pretty solid, 6.5 sacks, so he's a pretty good guy. Davin Van is another defensive end with five and a half sacks. So they've got some guys that can make some plays. Um, but like you said, I don't. some of those ACC offenses aren't the greatest. Um, you know, probably the best offense they played this year um, was Notre Dame and North Carolina, although North Carolina, I don't know how much they – played that well in that final game against them. Um, and then Miami, uh, Florida would be the next best offense they've seen. So 
they have not seen offenses like K-State faces week to week in the Big 12. Um, you know, the, the ACC does have some pretty good defenses. Clemson's top 10. Uh, Notre Dame, not ACC, but they're top 15. And then several others that are in the top 25. So it, it's it's weird because you're, you're looking at such different conference matchups, which is part of the fun of a bowl game, I think, is the ACC is a way different league than the, the Big 12. And obviously, the ACC's really not that good of a league because if you can go undefeated in the ACC and not even make the playoffs, then what are we talking about here? That's a great point. That is a great point right there. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you, you can go and look at, at kind of what went went on here and some of NC State's struggles this year. I mean, they so they got to play Duke the week after Duke lost Riley Leonard and they still lost 24-3 to in that game, a game in which Duke only completed four passes. Uh, so NC State, obviously, there are some there are some flaws there. They're not a bad team. They're not a good team by any means. Um, and I, I think this is honestly like in terms of what K State might be able to do to somebody, this isn't a horrible matchup for them. And you look at probably the the biggest wins prior to North Carolina this season for NC State. It came bef- it came without Brennan Armstrong playing quarterback. It yeah. they beat. Miami and Clemson with MJ Morris, who was a sophomore, and he hit the transfer portal. He's out of there. Uh, so it's been Brennan Armstrong who's been back and has led them to this five-game winning streak. But probably the most dangerous uh, and, and highest level of competition they played to win games this year, it came with a different guy at quarterback. And you look at some of those games, too. Like, I was just glancing over the the Clemson game. Cade Klubnick threw two interceptions in that game, and one of them was a pick six. And NC State won it 24 to 17. So I think that just highlights a lot of where the flaws are and what went down with NC State season. I don't think there's some insurmountable opponent. Um, obviously, in terms of like K State winning a game, this is this is a better opponent than probably Notre Dame was. It's it's less fun uh, from the immediate appeal, but you, you have a chance to go down to Orlando, win a ninth game, and do it by beating a top 25 team. No reason to to shy away from that, no matter who it ends up being. Uh, what? Any other thoughts on NC State as K-State now has 25 days until the Pop-Tarts Bowl? Now, uh, I'll, I'll throw out a kind of a, a wacky stat because you brought that up about Miami, and I was kind of just glancing through their box scores too. And this win streak that NC State has had, they've forced uh, the opposing quarterback to throw at least one interception in every single game. Mm. Well... So, that they're they seem to be pretty good at turning the ball over, but I think it means something that even with uh Will Howard and Trace on Ward in the transfer portal, uh, the early line for this game is K State still favored by nine. nine. So it, it seems like a game that K State could potentially handle, especially with NC State's lack of explosiveness on offense. Well, I was, you know, you you sort of mentioned in turnovers and everything else that they were able to do. They forced Tyler Van Dyke in Miami to throw three interceptions in that game uh, that that went down. And so, number one, that's another just one of those highlights. that's like, look, they even the good teams they played, they're not all that great. But I do think the interception thing is notable that they've been able to force it against the better teams that they've played. Because, I mean, the concern would be with a true freshman quarterback that is now just going to be, you know. Uh, the chains are off. He is, he is totally out there on his own merit. Like you would anticipate that some mistakes and some bad throws are made, even if Avery Johnson does play a good game. So, I mean, 
It, is that the most alarming thing going into this for K-State then, is that maybe you have Avery Johnson first start playing the entire game, that there will be this you know possibility that it, it could be a, a pretty turnover-prone situation? Or how do we chalk that up? I mean, I know you were diving into it there, Drew, so I'll let you handle that first. It's probably the most concerning thing, and I think that would be the most concerning thing about any opponent. I mean, we, we saw it ended up not uh, happening because the defender dropped it, but we saw it against Texas when Avery Johnson, I think he only threw two passes, and one was almost an interception at a pretty bad time. So, I mean, it's a concern, but I, I think that's more of just, like, it's a true freshman quarterback making his first start as a quarterback second total start uh so it's it's a mild concern but i think it would be a concern if they were playing even if they were playing like semo yeah that's i guess that's probably fair yeah nc state is third in the country in turnovers or interceptions this year with 17 so um and and number one is liberty so i don't really count them because the schedule they played so yeah right behind the committee the committee rewarded them you know, well, for going undefeated against a bad schedule. Uh, not not Florida State, either. though. I, I was about SMU. to say, SMU yeah. didn't beat a soul either, so. That's true. That's true. But, it, I, you know, it, it was a little tougher to beat Tulane than whoever. I, I don't even know who they played in the whatever conference championship. Uh, you're disrespecting weekend. the fighting Jerry kills like that? They hey, yes, I am. Game. I am. Hey, I am. Because they played nobody either. <laughs> New Mexico 10 win New Mexico State that beat the crap out of Auburn. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am going to to discredit them. Sorry about that to everybody out there. Yeah, but, still, they, Liberty still beat more teams with a winning record than SMU. That's. I guess that's fair. I, I mean, I, <laughs> you got me. I guess I. I just. I'm. I'm just saying. You know, at least, at least SMU played some Big Twelve teams in the non-con. They battled. It's true. Did they? It's true. Uh, I'm going through right now r- real quick to uh, try and uh, take a, a quick peek at something with uh, the ACC schools to just highlight uh, what their situation is this year because, uh, you know, we start talking about K-State being favored by nine against a team that finished in third place in the ACC, and it kind of started getting me going like, okay, what what is the situation here and, like, just how bad is this league? Like, what are we looking at? Uh, I'm, I'm almost done with, with this, uh, research, but I'm going to, I think Clemson and Syracuse were the only ACC teams favored in their bowl matchups early. These are from the, the lines that the action network puts out, which obviously they, they know what they're doing in terms of the betting space. Um, it, it just highlights that this is not a very, this was not a very good league. I mean, they had more bowl eligible teams than any other conference this season, but it's because they were all just so meh. Uh, here are the here are the ACC bowl lines. Florida State is a 12-point dog to Georgia. I don't think anybody's going to have an issue with that. Well, I, some are. Some are really upset at Florida State's outlook. I'm upset because maybe they deserved it, and maybe I would have loved to have seen the SEC get screwed, but it was the correct decision. We'll dive into that later. Clemson is a 7.5-point favorite against Kentucky. NC State plus nine against K-State. Boston College, they are a 14-point underdog to SMU. So speaking of my Mustangs, who you guys were trying to trash a moment ago, uh, please stop with that. (laughs) Louisville 
is a slight underdog to a Caleb Williamless USC. Georgia Tech, five and a half point dog against K State's second best win of the season, Troy, this year. Uh, and then Duke is almost a touchdown underdog against UCF, Big 12 friend. And then Syracuse, as I mentioned, they are the only other favored ACC team. Uh, they are a five point favorite over South Florida. So there is the ACC bowl schedule for you. And that, I mean, that is to give a broader idea of just how bad and how lowly thought of the ACC is this season. UCF's line not being higher is a little surprising without Riley Leonard. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe John Rice Plumley's opting out. Maybe he's thinking he's going to go round one. <laughs> it's a joke for anybody that doesn't blatantly <laughs> understand that's a joke. I don't want anybody to go, well, I heard, heard this one guy say that he could be uh, – no, I think that's – I think – I mean, early impression, I think K-State does win this game. Um, it's hard for me, though, in, in Avery Johnson's first start and, you know, losing some guys to really know which way it goes in terms of the the margin of victory. Like, I could easily see K-State winning this game by, you know, two, three scores, but I could also see it having to be, like, a dogfight with Navy in the Liberty Bowl, but I, I do think K-State comes out on top this time regardless of uh, whatever the situation may be so i'll throw that on you guys now early prediction for this game we'll, we'll do a better one as we get closer to the game but as of right now where is the gut leaning i i'm gonna go i think k-state by double digits um i'd say you know 10 to 14 points i do i do think we're the better team even even if nc state has most of the players i do think the biggest concern is interceptions um, and, and Avery Johnson making that mistake. NC State has interceptions in all but one game. Their only game without an interception was against Notre Dame. So um, they're they're good at forcing those. So so that may be a, a, a big part of this game. But I do think um, you know the, a key will be can K State run the ball? Um, what does offensive line do look like? I do think. I, we haven't talked about this yet, but I, I, I think probably Cooper Beebe plays, but maybe Ben Sennett does not. Um, so um, I think that as a factor, I think K-State can make up for not having Ben Sennett, especially with Avery Johnson, because it's not like his security blanket seemed to be Jace Brown, where Will Howard's was Ben Sennett all year. So that changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, but but I, I, I think K-State's a better team. I think this is a game we should win. And then the other option you don't know about is motivation. I do think K-State would have been more motivated to play Notre Dame than NC State. But hopefully by the time we get to that game in Orlando that most of our guys are wanting to play. Because I, I think we got we saw guys not want to play against Iowa State. I, a- I I think the same thing. I think if you if you just think about how that game played out and how it went, I think I think the offense for the most part, I think I think they did want that game i mean obviously will howard did because he certainly he knew going into that that would be his last game at k-state he did not want it to end like that because he would know you know part of the language he would know what kind of shit storm that would bring for him if they lost that game and obviously ben Sennett is not going to half-ass a game that means a lot to his best friend on the team that he's already you know spoken up for and I think I think the offense. I I'm, I don't have any faults for how they played in terms of the effort department in the game against Iowa State. The defense. It felt like a bunch of guys that went into that thinking, okay, 
we've kind of got this in the bag against them. The offense is going to be able to kind of control whatever. And it was just, it was a total nothing from them. So if anything, that should motivate the guys from the defense that are left to step up. I also, you know, I'm with you. Obviously, Notre Dame would get these guys more fired up to play than anybody else. But if you think about how many guys playing in this game are for sure going to be here next year and how many of them are going to now have even bigger roles in this game than what they would have had, you know, Will Howard still been around or, you know, thinking about if Ben Sennett does decide to opt out of the bowl game, um, then you've got more guys that are out there contributing that this is the springboard to next year. They, they, they'll feel like this is their time. They want to take over and go out and do something. And so I think the motivation will be there for them in, in that uh, realm. And so it probably just comes back to the defense. Like how much is the defense going to want it? What are they going to look like out there and how they do it? Because I think the offense will have it. And I think it's going to be exciting to see how the guys in the mix looks differently with Avery Johnson at quarterback than Will Howard. And, you know, that's no fault to Will Howard, and it's not a shot at Will Howard. But I think this is the right thing for K-State to be able to have, okay, Will Howard's in the past. It's Avery Johnson time. And let everybody get comfortable and have a dress rehearsal for the roles that they are going to have next season. And then, obviously, you'll have guys anchored on the offensive line that all those offensive linemen that won't be back next year, I don't have any any doubt that they're going to go out there and give everything they have because as much as I have been critical of a lot of them this season, last season, whenever, um, I've never once doubted how much they care about playing with their teammates and how much they care about K-State. And obviously, Cooper Beebe leads that charge. Um, but look, I've been, I've been very critical of Hayden Gillum at times. I'm never going to fault Hayden Gillum for the love for K-State and the love for his teammates that he has. So I, I don't expect anything negative from there. Really, it's the defense that has to, to prove themselves in this game. But, I mean, I, we think, I think all of us think offensively that's probably the weakest spot for NC State. And if K-State comes out motivated on offense, I think that they can come out and be successful. Yeah, I I think my early impression is K State probably wins this by two scores. I I just have a hard time thinking that NC State can keep up. And I mean, I, I haven't watched a full NC State game yet this year, but just looking at their offense and their stats and how it kind of looks like the games go with them, it, it feels like if K State plays mistake free football, they could blow NC State out out of the building. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. It's just I don't know, and I'm I'm not trying to disrespect NC State. I'm sure there will be some NC State fans that find this and comment on the YouTube video, like some opposing fans seem to do. It's like, ah, rah, rah. look, looking at, I, don't, I just don't think you're that good. Now, this has bit me a couple times this year. Uh, I did go on TV and say that I thought Oklahoma State was terrible, the worst team, and then they beat K State two weeks later. Uh, so I, you know, had to eat some crow for that, but I, I feel confident in saying that this NC State team is not of the caliber of a lot of what K State has faced this year. I mean, this is this is the conversation we have with a lot of teams in college football. Uh, us being Big Twelve people, if NC State played in the Big Twelve this season, what is their record? You know, maybe maybe if they get the fortunate scheduling of getting to play all the newcomers, whatever. But if if they play K State's schedule this year. I mean, they're they're not winning a lot of those games, as evidenced by what 
the the early odds are saying for these bowl games with the ACC that if you've got a school that's a seven-point dog to – I know the quarterback situation is different, but if you've got a team that's a seven-point dog to UCF, you're not winning a lot of games in the Big 12 this season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that NC State swaps schedules with K-State, NC State, their ceiling is probably 7-5. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. They're probably Iowa State, honestly, and but a worse version of Iowa State. I think Iowa State has a better quarterback, a better coach, more explosiveness as fan has stated. Like I, they're a worse version of Iowa State in terms of what their ceiling could be. So Iowa that State will, fans were yeah. really pressed about how me I called them not very good uh, on <laughs> last Sunday's show. If you're still watching this and you're an Iowa State fan, you guys still aren't very good. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just because you win a game doesn't mean you're you're better or worse than somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is it is what it is. Uh, all right, a couple other things to clean up college football wise before we dive into K State basketball real quick. Uh, I do want to play this. I talked about it last week or maybe two weeks ago about the in memoriam video that uh, we were going to have for uh, Big Twelve K State adjacent people this year. Uh, here is the minute-long video, and if you only listen to the podcast, you probably should go to the YouTube to watch this because this will not be a very audio experience for you. It's basically just going to be a minute long of you listening to Sarah McLaughlin. So I would go watch it on the YouTube if you only listen to the podcast. And uh, without further ado, here is the Big 12 slash K-State in memoriam video for 2023. There you go. Uh, sad moments here. Uh, not a not a dry eye in the house uh, as we remember everything that we lost in the 2023 football season. So uh, yeah, there there you have it. Uh, lost a lot of greats in there. Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year, Jalen Daniels. Uh, we never saw him after week four. Uh, well, we actually we did. We saw him on the sideline for a game, and then he was gone. And then he dressed for a game, and then he was gone again. Um, so that's, you know, tough Bevo. We're never going to see him in big 12 country again. Good riddance to that big ox. And, uh, a lot of other greats lost in that process. Also, UTEP must do a weird hand signal thing that, you know, they do this for like a U or something. Cause every picture I found of Dana Dimmel at UTEP, he's doing this. And I was like, you see it hitting like the, the shaka bra, you know? No, I think that's a weird UTEP thing. Uh, still very funny to see Dana Dimmel just always, you know, hanging loose uh, with how he uh, was was rolling down in El Paso. So there you go. That is uh, some sad moments in there, and I'm sure we'll lose some more next year. Uh, I'm really sad that we didn't get to throw Dave Aranda in there, but <laughs> I 
I will be, I have, I already have like, it's like CNN when somebody is, gets past the age of like 75, it's like, okay, we better, we better have the George W. Bush video ready. Cause we, we never know, you know, it's like, they've been hovering over the Jimmy Carter death video for a long time now. And he just keeps defying the odds, but it's ready whenever he goes. I have the Dave Aranda video ready for whenever that moment comes in 2024, because it is coming. Uh, same reason that like the Neil Brown video, I have not been able to play it this year. I thought I was no Neil Brown, the, the, the Neil Brown death video at West Virginia is tucked away. So he survived another year. Uh, before we move on to basketball, some general takes on college football with a little college football outsider. Look, the, the only place to really go here is with what happened with the playoff today. Uh, Alabama sneaks in, they will get Michigan. Texas gets Washington. Uh, I'll let fan go first here. Did the committee make the right move in leaving Florida state out? Not, would you have rather them have been in? Did they deserve to be in? Was it the right move to leave Florida state out of the playoff? I, I, I do think without one of your key players, your quarterback and, uh, the way they played without him. I think it's a valid point for the committee to make that move. I know that will get a lot of negative feedback and people don't agree with that, but I, I think, you know, you know, the NCAA, NCAA tournament has, has done that before with, you know, I, I posted Kenyon Martin in Cincinnati dropped to a two seed and they would have been the number one overall seed in 2000. So I think there's precedent for it uh, as far as committees go. And that's what you're going to get when you choose to have a committee make the picks. Like they're going to, take that stuff into consideration. And I, I don't think they're wrong for doing it. I know Florida state probably feels bad, whatever. And I think part of it is the ACC isn't that great of a league. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's the fourth, fifth best power conference. And I think that factored in as well. So I, I get why they're upset, but I don't think it's when you, when you leave your, uh, when you, when you're in that situation and your best player gets hurt, that makes a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I I agree that Florida State probably didn't deserve it, but God, that that has to suck knowing that you were thirteen and zero and didn't didn't get in the playoff. I mean, what's fun about this debate is that it's not a debate that like we'll need to be having in the future because the mm-hmm. the team like thirteen and fourteen they get left out when the playoff expands you don't really have an argument because you probably have three losses or you have two losses. Like this is what was fun about the 14 playoff. Um, but I mean, it, it sucks. And I, I feel really bad for Jordan Travis. I'm still trying to recover from uh, the video. Cause I'm just so sad seeing that the first time uh, our in memoriam, RIP carpooling. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I think the thing that I was actually the most upset about with the playoffs, though, wasn't even Florida State getting left off. I thought that Washington should have been ranked number one. I agree with that. If if you're basing every if you're basing things off of what you saw this weekend, which obviously the committee was with leaving Florida State out, you have to put Washington number one over Michigan because now they probably didn't watch watch michigan iowa last night because they're just like we got a lot to focus on with that sort of state crap uh they're gonna win that game whatever but michigan did not look good in that game like i was i mean 
they got some they got lucky with some bad Iowa fumbles and really just bad Iowa football in that game because beating that team like they did last night that just that was not good. So I would have had with I would have had Washington number 1 as well. I I agree with that. And I think you know you look at how this works out now. I mean Washington is this is like in the NCAA tournament when you have all these one and two seeds from the same region and so you end up with like the three seed that then goes on the on to to play like K-State last year honestly where K-State's a three seed they have to go to Greensboro and Kentucky fans are like, yeah, that's not a bad drive for us. Like, whatever, we're good. That's kind of what happened to Washington, where because they were the two and Michigan is the one, which I get it, it's the Rose Bowl, it's a Big Ten thing. How does Los Angeles make more sense to a Michigan fan than New Orleans? I don't know. Uh, but they get screwed by ending up at the Sugar Bowl, where obviously Texas is a lot closer in proximity. Texas obviously not been on this stage since 2009. Washington, this is their second playoff appearance. Texas fans will show up to that game in large numbers uh, this year. I'm confident in that. That's going to be a tough battle for Washington. I I really think we're heading towards Texas-Alabama part two for the national championship. And I don't necessarily think it's the wrong thing. I mean, I think in the end, if, if the talent plays out that way, then it's it's right what the committee did. All season, I think Michigan and Washington have probably been the two best teams in the country, uh, but I just don't actually think they're better than the two teams that they are playing. And in terms of the Florida State thing, I said it earlier, I would have rather have had Florida State in over the SEC, but in you know deep down inside, I know the committee made the right call this year that Alabama is better than Florida State, especially as currently constructed. And if – if you're trying to have this argument about, well, you know, whatever, you're just not being, you're just not being honest with yourself. You think Florida state is better than Alabama right now. So I think they made the right call. It'll be an entertaining playoff, probably the most entertaining playoff that we've had in the history of this that has now gone on for a decade. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We, we might finally get two good semifinal games. Yeah. I guess we got them last year. I, I shouldn't discredit last year uh, in the semifinal but that was uh, the first year where both games were really good. Yes. Uh, all right. One final football thing. Uh, I promised, I promised him that I would do this. Uh, speaking of in memoriam, I, he should have been on there. I'm sorry. Uh, Alec Bussey should have made it My uh, my former coworker, uh, who now, uh, is, is off doing other things. Uh, we made a bet last year, this year, at some point, uh, I told him that Texas is going to Texas. They aren't going to win the Big 12. I think I may have even said that Texas wouldn't make it to the Big 12 title game, uh, and here they are in the playoff. So I I have to pay this off by reading a statement that he prepared for me as a punishment. Uh, so I will do that right now, right here. I have not read over this. These are his words written for me, not my own, uh, but here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, today I come to you all with an announcement, and that announcement is twofold. First, the eyes of Texas are once again upon us all. Uh, that's a somber note. The second, Alec Bussey was always correct about the Texas Longhorns being the best team in the Big 12 in 2023. Steve Sarkeesian, the deserving but not rewarded Big 12 Coach of the Year, ended the, quote, Texas will always Texas, end quote, stigma by his utter impressive talent accumulation gifts, player development, and established culture on the 40 acres of Austin, Texas. The improvement of Texas and knowledge of Alec in his prediction is not one to be taken lightly, as Bill Snyder once said. Alec was correct 
I was wrong, and the eyes of Texas will always look down upon us all and see championship rings on the fingers of the 2023 Texas Longhorns. Hook them horns. So there you go. There you go. I paid that off, and uh, whatever. Honestly, like at this point, I'll, I'll get your guys' vibe. As much as I was against Texas this year, I hate them. I hate the arrogance. I would prefer Texas win this national championship. Uh, certainly, whoever wins between them and Washington, they've got my backing. But, uh, I, look, they, they screwed over the Big 12, but they can give the Big 12 one gigantic gift on the way out, and that's winning a national championship, something that has not been done uh, since, what, was it 2005 that they beat uh, that they beat USC? So I, I will throw my, my you know, support behind the Longhorns uh, for the college football playoff because you go out, you're playing as a Big 12 team, and if you can do it as a Big 12 team, I will support you for that. Uh, because then when you don't win Jack in the SEC, similar to what has gone down with like Texas A&M and Nebraska uh, and, and Missouri, I can say, well, look, you, you never were able to do that in the Big 12, or you did it in the Big 12, you haven't gotten to that level in the SEC or the Big 10. Uh, so I look forward to doing that with Texas. So the Horns can go win the national championship. As long as Alabama and Michigan doesn't do it, that's good with me. So, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, no Michigan, no Alabama. I could see myself rooting for Washington, but I'm going for the Big Twelve in this one. I, I, I wanted Washington to be number one, uh, so I could root for a Washington Texas national championship. Yeah. And, and now it's whoever wins that game, I'll be rooting for. But I, I, I guess I'll root for Texas. Ooh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on to even less fun things than rooting for Texas and saying nice things about them. Uh, K-State basketball won games this week, but it was not pretty. It did not feel good. Well, I think if you're a real person, it didn't feel good. If if you're if you're currently brainwashed and all you want to do is positivity, uh, you know, and you can't say anything negative or critical about K-State basketball right now, you're probably still having a great week because you're like, those were two awesome games. Uh, those were two really crappy games to watch, and they should not make you feel better about K-State basketball right now. K-State beats Oral Roberts in overtime, 88-78, to and they turn around and play a disgusting game on Saturday. You would have thought they would have decided, hey, let's not do what we did earlier this week and lose to a bad team, almost. No, they, they flirted with danger yet again, and it took a heroic shot by Tyler Perry to force overtime, and K-State held on for a 75-74 to win over North Alabama, who, as Fan pointed out, and got killed for. Uh, statistically speaking, they are outside the top 200 in Ken Palm. Is it time to worry about K-State basketball and where things sit at this point in time? Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's valid to have some concern about where this team is at and what they can do going forward. Um, and the next four games are going to be the the tell. Like you have Villanova, LSU, Nebraska, Wichita State in the next couple of weeks. So um, we'll know a lot more after that. Um, but it's it's easy to be concerned going in. North Alabama was not a very good team. Um, their point guard did some things. He was quick, I guess, and fast, which our coaches talked about. Uh, but that was a game case they had no business going overtime with. Um, Oral Roberts. Probably the same, but I think Oral Roberts is a legit Summit League contender and could win that league. And the point guard was a guy that was on KU's campus for a uh, couple weeks before transferring. So 
he kind of has some legit talent to him. Um, the McBride kid was pretty good. Um, but North Alabama's without their best scorer this year, um, and they come in and push K-State. And really, you know, I thought with the minute left, I think <coughs> less than a minute, K-State's down five. And I started composing the tweet that this was the seventh, would be the seventh loss to a 200-plus Ken Palm team since 1999. Um, K-State managed to pull it out, but, man, that was that was not pretty. Yeah, I, I think more of my concern actually comes from yesterday's game because Oral Roberts, I mean, say what you want, it is the American, but Oral Roberts did beat Tulsa, <coughs> right? So Oral Roberts is capable. North, North Alabama is not good at all. They they got blown out uh, in their only other high major game when they played at Mississippi State. They didn't have their best player. And they came in and what bothered me, and I kept telling fan this the entire game, what bothered me was K-State's effort and their body language. They looked like they wanted to be literally anywhere else than on a basketball court last night for about 39 minutes. And, and that's just something that can't happen because you do that against any other team that they're about to play the next two weeks, and you're going to get blown out of the gym. So well, it, they need to do some soul searching, I think. Especially when you consider, like, this is not a team that can do that. Like, everybody that is on this team, for the most part, you should have something to prove. If you're Tyler Perry, you're supposed to be out there trying to prove that you can be a, a power six player. You can play at the Big 12 level. You can be a guard and a leading player at this level. If you're Cam Carter, you're supposed to be proving that, you know, last year, if you, you dive into it and advanced metrics and, and even the eye test from people that are, you know, really smart with basketball, I would tell you Cam Carter wasn't very good last year. And all we heard about this offseason was how much better Cam Carter was and how much of a step he had taken. It looked like at times there were flashes there, but he's kind of slipped in recent weeks. He should have something to prove and trying to, to at least make us think that he can be a legitimate player to lead this team. Arthur Kaluma, he has a lot of things to do. Obviously, Jerome Tang feels that he has something to prove. He's got to prove that, you know, the guy he was at Creighton, which was, oh, one really awesome game, you know, 24 points, double-digit scoring, rebounding, all that, looks like a freak out there, and then four straight games of duds. Try and prove that you are a legit guy, the guy that people were excited about when K-State landed you as a transfer. And I honestly think Kaluma has done a fairly good job of that. Wasn't the most impressed with the North Alabama showing for a large part, but that was pretty much everybody. And then you just keep going down the list. I mean, Will McNair, you're a guy that you haven't played a ton of minutes in your career, even at lower levels. You have an opportunity here at K-State where I've actually, you've given K-State more than I thought you were going to at any point this season. And, you know, now Jerome Tang feels like he can't even put you on the floor for a game. Like, you have something to prove. Every single one of these guys has something to prove for K-State. The fact that they're not playing like it, is really concerning. And I thought, you know, Kellis, I thought he asked a fair question after the game yesterday, which was, you know, you guys have turned it on late, second half, overtime to get these wins. Why aren't you playing like that from the start? You know, people can kind of laugh at it or say that's not really a fair question. You know, games are different and all that. That is a fair question when the effort and energy seems to be lacking early in games. And I think this is a team that feels a lot like the game should just come to them because they're facing Oral Roberts or North Alabama, and they have the wrestling-looking Big 12 logo on their chest. And unfortunately, this team right now as they're playing, these are not Big 12 players. 
You've not played a Big 12 game. You've not proven yourself to be of a caliber and quality so far to be a Big 12 player, and certainly one at K-State, a team that went to the Elite Eight last season. I still think this team can get there. I think there's a lot of potential with this team, but they got to get things figured out. And I know that they've got some big-time opponents coming up. I think that Tuesday against Villanova, we probably see good effort and energy from the get-go. But I have legitimate concerns past that because you are facing LSU, who we know is not a very good Power 5 basketball team right now. You are facing Nebraska, who is not a very good Power 5 basketball team right now. Nobody's ever once thought about Nebraska as a basketball school. And Wichita State is a team that, yeah, you know, maybe if this was 10 years ago, we'd be talking about as a basketball school. Wichita State has pretty much been bums for the decade after that Final Four. I don't think that K-State, if we're thinking motivation and the opponent is the problem, I don't think that this team, as they played this past week against Oral Roberts in North Alabama, I don't think they're going to be motivated for three of the next four teams on the schedule, even if they come from good conferences and teams that could be something in the future. I think Wichita State is a fine team this year. I just don't know that these guys are going to see it like that. They have to find the self-motivation for themselves, especially when you consider the Big 12 this season. Like This is not the 10-team Big 12. You're going to go out and you're going to play, I think the second game of conference play is against UCF this year. Maybe it's the first game. You think this team, as they are currently playing, is going to take UCF seriously? I really don't. I think that there are some serious things that they have to get a handle on. They have to play better. They have to come out with better energy and be focused. And you can't just play Big 12 basketball player. You actually have to go out and be one. And I think right now this team has a lot of what I refer to as PMS, Patrick Mahomes syndrome. Sometimes I think Patrick Mahomes goes out too hard trying to be and play like Patrick Mahomes. Just go out and be yourself. Just go out and, and do what you got to do, and you will become Patrick Mahomes in those moments. I think right now you have a lot of guys that they want the lifestyle. They think that if they just go out there, do this and that, they are a Big 12 basketball player. No, you have to go out there and prove it by putting together the talent that you have and making it work for you, and I think they can. Like, I think Cam Carter can be a really good basketball player, despite the fact that I've been down on him more so than some over the last year and a half, and he you know, hasn't fully shown it to me yet, but I think it's there. I believe in Tyler Perry, but I also think that you have to get some other things in line. And I'll finish off by saying this and giving a little bit of benefit of doubt here. Yes, we see other teams, they are losing games that they shouldn't right now, and obviously it can happen to anybody. It's not a great time of year for crowds showing up and everything else that goes with it. And in addition to that, and Quez Glover coming back, it'll be interesting to see how that helps whenever it comes, you know, sometime this month, it seems likely. And obviously, you're waiting on Naquan Tomlin. He is the big piece to this. He immediately, the second he shows up, he's your most talented player, probably your best option if he's feeling assertive and wants to put himself out there. But this team right now, those guys have been out for a while. Their status is unclear moving forward. You have to learn how to make this team be a good team and not bank on those guys coming back. And I, I look, I probably sound really negative. A lot of people probably hate me because I know that K-State basketball fans only want positivity slammed down their ear hole right now. But there are serious concerns about this team. And I don't know that it's going to be fixed, and I'm going to believe that it's fixed until I actually see something on the floor because I was positive on this team prior to this week. I thought they had been better this year than I anticipated before the season, given all the circumstances. But now I have some serious concerns, and it's going to take a long time before they get my trust back. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I said it last night uh, or yesterday afternoon with fan. Like it, it shouldn't take going to overtime to light a fire under your ass. And it, it certainly and, shouldn't take it happening twice. Yeah, yeah. So that that is kind of an issue for me, just from a body language perspective. From an actual basketball perspective, this team, especially yesterday, was not spacing well on offense, yeah. and they kept driving right into three guys. Somebody needs to when they get open on a shot to take the shot, not just drive in Tyler Perry, a few times passed up what would have been like a wide open step back jumper to just drive into the lane. At some point you just got to take the shot because you're leading the defender into the basket. Yeah. I, I would say a couple things. Number one, even though the big 12 probably one through 14 isn't as strong maybe as the past. You still have nine teams that are currently top 35 of Kim Palm. So that's 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 uh, 13 of our games this year in league play, so that's going to be tough. Uh, you do have three that are look pretty bad. UCF, Oklahoma State, West Virginia are all pretty bad teams. K-State has five games against those teams. Um, to me, the biggest concern, though, is K-State has the third worst defense in the Big 12 right now. So um, if they don't fix that, um, and they're not super great on offense. They're okay on offense, but, you know, Co- Coach Tang has talked about how good of shooting this team has been uh, or is supposed to be, and we've not been a great three-shooting team, especially lately. Um, if if they don't get those things corrected, it's going to be tough to win games in the league, especially when you have a lot of really good teams. You have ten or four top ten teams in Ken Palm right now uh, that K-State will have quite a few games against. So, a lot of things to fix, um, a lot of things to correct. Um, I, do, I do think Naquan Tomlin helps a bunch. Uh, Glover helps depth-wise, but he's the same size as Tyler Perry, so it's not like you're getting a big point guard to help you out, which I think probably K-State needs. Um, they need to play Tyler Perry probably more off the ball. Uh, but then you're relying on Day-Day Ames, who's a fr- true freshman, to be your point guard. And uh, – you're going to be up and down with a guy that's not a top 25 recruit. He's a solid recruit. I think he's going to be a really good player in the future. But anytime you have a top 80, top 100 type kid as your point guard, you're going to ask for trouble uh, playing in a league that's as tough as the Big 12, especially with the guard play. I mean, there's so many good guards in this league. So we'll see. I mean, I think, like I said, the next four games are going to tell us a lot. Yeah, and, and look, I, I don't want to be the guy that is overwhelmingly negative and doom and gloom without giving – real reasons for it. But I'll, I'll be honest, like if you're asking for reasons why you should be concerned and stuff after how K-State's played the last two games, uh, that's an issue in itself because the the scores and the fact that the games went to overtime, that should be alarming enough. Like if you you ask, well, why are you so down? Like what what is K-State doing wrong? Outside of winning these games, everything, everything they are doing is wrong right now. But I will say the number one thing that I think is a problem with this team is – there is not an on-court leader with them. There is not a number one on this team. And that is just the issue you're going to have when probably your best player talent-wise is out right now with a suspension to Naquan Tomlin and also something that you run into when Tyler Perry is probably the next man up on that, but he came from playing guard in Conference USA and he is undersized and he's not as quick as Marquise Noel was. There are a lot of differences between those guys other than the fact that they're small. And so I think you lack an on-court number one. And we see that a lot of times when things are starting to struggle or 
even later in the game when the shot clock becomes a factor, there's not somebody that's there that knows how to step up in that moment. Like last night, the best opportunity for that was, you know, Tyler Perry came through when it mattered, but there's really no time to think there. And it was pretty easy to know what you needed to do. Time was running out. You were down by three. You needed a three. Get it off when you get the chance. But we've seen a lot of other late in the shot clock possessions where nobody's taking command. You're struggling. And if you don't have that true on-court number one, number one, nobody can lead by example out there. And number two, you just don't have that run stopper out there. And that's tough when you let a team start to stretch things out to seven, eight, nine points. Like It's scary thinking what's going to happen to this team when they go to Allen Fieldhouse this year because good K-State teams have been eaten alive in that building by that run. I don't know who's going to throw a bucket in when KU's on that 11 nothing run and the place is shaking and, and everything else. So I've got that. I think the rebounding, I mean, people complain about this all the time. I think every high school coach in America whines about it, but I think these guys are trying to do their best to lead a Carter impression when they're going for a rebound. Jarrell Colbert is taller than 95% of the dudes on the floor with him. And I, you know, he showed us some flashes yesterday against North Alabama. So credit to him. But you are taller than these people. Just grab the ball. Don't you don't have to bat it out all the time. I think this team is looking to do a lot of team rebounding and just like somebody else will get it. Let me try and help you. Quit with the batting it out thing and, and be more strong and convictive when you're you're going for a rebound. I also think another thing that is big, this team is lacking in their actual knowledge of how to play the game of basketball. Like, obviously, these guys are Division One basketball players. They know how to play the game. They know how it works, all this stuff. But in terms of the intricacies and the little things that you have to watch basketball and know how to do right, I think they're lacking in that right now. And that shows a lot of itself on the defensive end. It also goes into what Fan talked about offensively when guys just need to know, you're open, take the shot there, or know when to do this and when to do that. I think this team lacks it. I think we've seen it in different moments. There's just a lot of processing that it's either slow or they just don't have it. And really, the only way that happens is you have to be able to watch more basketball. So you got to watch more film, watch other games, and be able to pick up on how that's going down. And the fourth thing, like, and Fan talked about it with Day Day Ames, but the fact that when things are kind of struggling and the th- the number one thing that it seems like Jerome Tang has to rely on right now is just throwing it up and saying, the three freshmen, like those are the best plug-and-play options we have to try and fix our problems right now. That's a sign you're going to struggle as a basketball team because relying on those guys is a tough ask. And even though they're all, I think, very talented players, will be really good in the future for K-State, they are not of the caliber of recruit that can come in and you can put that on them. These are guys that even though they're four stars, they still need that development and to be eased into this thing. And just K-State doesn't have that ability right now, and and it's not fair to the freshmen, and it's not fair to anybody else that is is hoping to see K-State succeed right now. So I've got serious concerns, and really I they're going to have to do some good things over this stretch of basketball coming up to get me fully back on, or I'm you know back to where I started the season thinking this team's going to have to do a lot to fight for an NIT berth. Because I will say real quick that like that's the other thing that people don't understand here is one more slip up in non-con. The margin of error in conference play is very, very slim for K-State considering what they have left on the schedule. Um, I mean, that to their benefit is why it's good that they didn't lose to Oral Roberts in North Alabama because that would have almost sunk them. But 
as it stands right now, what they, you know, eight and 10 in conference play historically is getting you into the NCAA tournament in the Big 12. Um, they, they drop another game or two in the non-con. It's going to be tough to make the case that eight and 10 in the league, especially if they don't get the right kind of eight wins. Uh, it's tough to slide them into that. And then at that point, you're just trying to find your, your way into that, you know, afterthought of a tournament in the, the 36 teams that go to the NIT. So that is, uh, that is my, my larger take on K-State basketball right now. And again, I'm aware that some people are probably upset and Drew and Fan probably think that I've talked a lot and I'm I'm overly angry about this after just two games, but that's it's how I feel. And I think more people should be that way. I, I'm not seeing enough like frustration, I think, with people. It's just like, oh, they, you know, they won, like whatever, valuable experience. Overtime against Oral Roberts in North Alabama is not valuable experience. That should make you scared as you'll ever be that you are not playing good basketball right now. The, the body language for me, uh, for uh, the basketball team against North Alabama, I thought was at least on par, if not worse, than football's body language against Iowa State. Yeah, that's yeah. not great either. Especially, especially the first half. It was, it was a poor first half effort. I think I, I, I keep going back to the next four games. I think you're talking three and one minimum. You you're probably hoping they go four and zero in these next four. Um, obviously, I think Villanova at home is probably the toughest of those four. Um, I think they're better than LSU, Nebraska, and Wichita State. You do have to go to LSU. You never know about going on the road, especially for the first time for this team. They haven't been in a true road environment, so you'll find out quite a bit in that game. And then you get Nebraska and Bramlage and Wichita State in Kansas City. So. Those, those will be key games, you know. I think we'll learn a lot Tuesday night and we'll know a lot more because Villanova's got some tough losses to teams from Philadelphia that probably they shouldn't, and then they beat everybody else outside of Philadelphia somehow. Pretty good win against North Carolina. Um, so they're definitely capable, but they're also capable of losing to pretty bad teams too. So uh, we'll see what that looks like uh, on Tuesday night. Yep, and uh, Wichita State. I mean, they're seven and two right now. Their losses—they uh, lost today by ten at Missouri, who has obviously had their struggles this year. And then uh, they lost by almost twenty to Liberty, but Liberty's you know not too bad. So, uh, just some things to keep in mind. And then LSU, people have probably seen, and uh, every and then we know Nebraska. I mean, that it's it's Nebraska ball. It's not the most. Uh, mind-blowing team that you're going to face in them, you should be able to handle it. And they got torched by almost 30 by Creighton at home today. So, uh, look, I this is a big stretch for K-State. I actually – I mean, I'm back and forth. I don't really know what to expect on Tuesday against Villanova. I think the crowd will be good. I think it'll be a fun matchup. I do tend to lean towards saying K-State does win that game. Being at home, Villanova has had their shortcomings – K-State is due for a game where these guys do play better in terms of shooting because Jerome Tang is right on that as well. Like, they missed shots yesterday, too, that you would normally expect to go in, even if this isn't a great shooting team by any means. Uh, So I do think they beat Villanova on Tuesday. But even winning that game, it won't bring me fully back in. I'll still have my concerns. They really have to do good things over this four-game stretch. Uh, against power six teams that they're about to face in Nova, LSU, Nebraska, and Wichita State. Well, I shouldn't say that. Wichita State's not a power six team. <laughs> I should not should not give Mike Oresco any thought that that's what I was suggesting there. 
Uh, I don't even think the American is even, you know, what, a, like the, a top seven league at this point. Uh, so I don't know. The, any other thoughts on basketball before we wind down and get out of here? All right. Well, K-State Villanova on Tuesday. It is a big matchup for the Wildcats. Uh, both Wildcats. Uh, I would prefer the ones in purple come out on top. It is a six o'clock game. So I know people get accustomed to seven or eight o'clock tips. It is six o'clock. So be on top of it uh, if you're planning on being in Bramlage for Tuesday uh, for K-State and Villanova. And if you're not going to be there, nationally televised on ESPN2 for the Big 12 Big East battle, of which K-State has never won a game in. Uh, so they have that to look forward to. They lost twice to Marquette and then to Butler last year. And I will forever say that it is bogus that they just said, oh, yeah, that, that Marquette home game that was already on your schedule, that counts as this game. Should have given K-State another Big East opponent at home, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so looking forward to it. It's a marquee opponent no matter what Villanova ends up doing this year. That is uh, one of the new bloods of seeing Villanova on the chest. It's, it's just like watching Michigan in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Doesn't matter the version of the team. You're going to be able to sit there and go, holy crap, I'm watching K-State play Villanova right now. Be a fun time. We'll see if the Cats can bounce back and uh, prove me wrong. I would love nothing more than for Jerome Tang and the players and all the fans that never hopped off the wagon to just throw this in my face three weeks from now when K-State's balling out. Uh, I just have my doubts that it happens at this point in time. But I want it to happen. I desperately want it to happen. So that will do it for us. For Drew Galloway, KSU underscore fan, I am Mason Voth. This has been the KSO Show. Derek Young and I back tomorrow on Monday. We'll have more reaction to K-State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl against NC State. I'm sure D.Y. has some basketball thoughts as well. Maybe he's going to tell me that I'm being too negative. I, I think he was hinting at that uh, during the middle of the week after the Oral Roberts game. And I was just like, not having it right now. I'm not feeling very good. Uh, so we'll have that for everybody and then plenty of things throughout the week leading up to a couple of basketball games and We'll start counting down the time to the trip to Orlando for K-State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl with NC State. So thank you for watching and listening to K-State Online.